Hiya, howlers. Couple quick warnings before we get started here today. First warning this podcast contains adult content. It's rated R and not for Red Rising, it's for restricted content. Don't be a pixie. <laughs> Second warning this podcast contains spoilers for the entire Red Rising series. If you have not read the books, this probably isn't your podcast. Yeah, get the F out. But if you want to listen anyway and give us a five-star review, do it. Where can people find us on social media? Sorry, I'm reading about Kit Harrington's butt. <laughs> Very important stuff going on. You can find us at HallerPod on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Etsy, or email us, HallerPod at gmail.com. Don't forget, rate and review. Follow us. Five subscribe. stars only. Subscribe. Five stars only, or else uh, you don't get to see Jon Snow's ass. <laughs> Tell a friend about the books. Get them to listen to HowlerPod. Let's let's share this amazing universe with we all, can all the people we know. We can all die happy. And now, HowlerPod. This society is not without fault, but the hierarchy... This world, it is the best man can afford. And it's your right to decide that? Yes, it is. But beat me in space, and it will be yours. Hello, Howlers. Welcome to Howlerpod, the one and only podcast for all things Red Rising, where every episode we dive deep to break down, celebrate, and discuss all aspects of the fantastic Red Rising series by Howler number one, Pierce Brown. Yeah, girl. I'm your host, Ben Reinert. I am joined today by the amazing Aaron Ayers. Hello, Howlers. We are here to talk to you about Morningstar, chapters 37 through 43. We're getting into the third act here. It's about to go down. It's going down for real. All right, let's uh, figure out what happened in these chapters. Let's load up this star shell and shoot straight into our chapter summaries. Hopefully, Roke doesn't shit his suit. You butt sucker. (laughs) (laughs) You start it, Ben. Chapter 37, The Last Eagle. Darrow enters the medical bay and finds Cassius cuffed to a gurney in the center of the room, surrounded by the other low colors and his pit viper guards. Darrow and he discuss the war and why they fight. Then Cassius goes on to explain why the Sovereign wanted to compromise with Mustang and her contingent in the first place. It wasn't just because the Jackal was a freaking nut job. He's been skimming helium-3 off the top of his production on Mars, and, oh yeah, he stole a whole bunch of huge-ass nukes from a hidden deep space warehouse in the asteroid belt. So sneaky. The Jackal has enough nukes to kill a planet, and they think if his back is to the wall, he will use those nukes to destroy Mars. Chapter 38, The Bill. <laughs> I'm just a bill, <laughs> and I'm sitting here on Capitol Hill. Anyone? 90s? Was that before 90s? Anyways. Darrow shares his new information to everyone in the war room. 
Quicksilver thinks that Cassius is lying, and it's just a ploy to distract them all. Severo wants to torture Cassius, and he keeps talking about it. The room then turns against Mustang, and everyone's saying that she should not be in the council, especially because of her past with Cassius. They were knocking boots. Severo again brings up torturing Cassius and keeps saying different ways he's going to torture him. And almost the whole room is leaning towards torturing him, including Quicksilver. So Daryl keeps saying, nah, we don't torture people. They're arguing. Victor then unexpectedly walks to the front of the room and removes her shirt to show her razor scars and the waxy melted skin on her back. Gross. Where her sister shot and tortured her. Because Antonia is a bitch. Mm -hmm. We don't like her. This is Victor's way of standing against any torture by any means. Then based on a little side comment that Victor's mother had said to her back in the day, she believes that Cassius is telling the truth about the weapons. Her mom said that there are, quote, goodie bags on the fly to the rim. Mm. What are those goodie bags? Nuclear warheads. So Darrow comes up with a new plan. Changing the what? Paradigm. That's right. They don't want to fall into the jackal's trap, and he can basically guess anything that they have planned for Mars. So they must do something unexpected. They are going to destroy the Sword Armada, a.k.a. Roke. Mm-hmm. Chapter 39, The Heart. Darrow and the sons make their final preparations before heading to the rim. Dancer will stay behind on Mars to manage the war effort there, and he and Darrow say their goodbyes, and they get all emotional and shit. They're like, I love you. That's Tears in so their eyes sweet. and stuff. Bro hugs. Darrow then says goodbye to his mother, who tells him to always remember who he is and that he is never alone. The dreams of his people go with him, and he is loved by his family. Just as he and Mustang go to board the shuttle, Dancer calls out to Darrow, raising his fist, as does everyone else in the hangar, and shouts, Break the chains. Darrow salutes back with his own raised fist and then enters the shuttle. It's super emotional and I definitely teared up a little bit. Definitely good shit. Chapter 40, Yellow Sea. No, this is not where people pee on each other. (laughs) This is the sea at Io Mm. where Darrow, Severo, Sefi, and some Valkyrie and Howlers are all on Io next to the Yellow Sea waiting for Romulus and the Moonies. 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 Vila, Romulus's sister, comes in his place instead, along with Mustang. Severo is being a dick, and <laughs> he's, like, making obscene gestures and um, talking shit to Vila. But Mustang's like, nah, not these people. They're too honorable. And they're, like, actually honorable. Mm-hmm. They agree that Darrow can go to Romulus's home with Mustang because Romulus is this most honorable person and will not harm his guests. That takes us to chapter 41, The Moon Lord. Darrow is taken to the home of the most powerful man in the Galilean moons, the aforementioned Romulus. As he waits for Romulus to arrive, Darrow meets Romulus's daughter, Sarah. Uh, they have a little conversation and then Romulus shows up. Romulus tells Darrow about how the core has lost its way and then asks Darrow about the murder of his father and daughter. The focus of the conversation then switches to the war ahead. But 
before they're able to get into it, Romulus tells Darrow that he must reveal a truth. Darrow is not his only guest. Darrow, he's smart. He already suspected this. He saw some some boots, some non-dusty boots. Well, they were polished for ship, and therefore they were extra Correct. dusty. Oh, that's right. Extra dusty Extra boots. dusty boots. You're right. You're right. Darrow already suspected this, so he's not surprised. Romulus tells Darrow he's going to weigh his options between the two sides, and then he will make his decision on what to do. Chapter 42, The Poet. Roca, butt-sucking Fabii, <laughs> sits at a stone table in an orchard next to Romulus's house. He greets Darrow as if they were still old friends. Fucker. What a faker. Fake little bitch. <laughs> they are joined by the other moon lords, and they all sit down, and Romulus asks, who can give me more in return? And then uh, allows Roke to present his argument first. Roke says a bunch of eloquent bullshit, and I mean bullshit. Well put there, Aaron. Well put. Eloquent bullshit. That mm-hmm. is Roke. He tells Romulus that he can have Antonia for murdering his daughter and father, along with a bunch of other shit that he can't promise because the sovereign's a liar. Darrow then begins his argument after Roke is finished. He tries to relate to Romulus by saying that they are both men of the sword, unlike these politicos running around trying Mm. to run shit. Mm -hmm. He reveals that Orion is here in the rim instead of the core where they thought she was, and that they are prepared to smash the sword armada. Bye, Roke. You're going down. Getting it. Darrow tells Romulus that he isn't interested in the rim, just as Romulus isn't interested in the core. So they're buddies, right? Kumbaya. Mustang and Darrow lean in hard on the point that Octavia is a cold, rusty bitch that cannot be trusted. Truth. Then Darrow says he will give up the sons of Ares in the rim. Like, what the fuck, dude? I don't know. I have a, I'm not down with that. <laughs> this is a tough decision. That's not cool. We'll talk about it. Also, he didn't really have to do that because he has this next thing where Mustang and Darrow set the trap that they planned, especially for Roke. They spring it, revealing the betrayal of the Sovereign. Roke is not prepared and falls into the trap, confirming that there is, in fact, a depot of possible Rhea-destroying-sized nuclear warheads. That's uh, not great. It's <laughs> like, I, I don't there know is that. a depot? I mean... There were nukes there? The sense of Ares have them. <laughs> Romulus was like, so it's true, you dumbass? <laughs> then uh, Romulus throws down super hard, and I was like, oh, shit, jumping around while mm. I was listening to this. And it's super badass. You got to listen. So... Romulus spits blood in Roke's face and declares a blood feud. Darrow then catches up with Roke before he leaves, and Roke tells Darrow that he is ruined and all good people die in his wake. See you in space, motherfucker. We're going to get you. That takes us to chapter 43. Here again, Darrow watches the sons and their allies make their final preparations for war. Darrow shares a final moment with Kavox thanking him for his support. Kavox then invites him fishing and to get drunk on his estate when all this is over. Darrow and Mustang then share their typical pre-battle little moment together. I feel like we have a lot of these where we're like hanging in hangars. Ships are getting juiced up, ready to go. I'm sorry. I know. Yeah. (gasps) 
What? It is like that. <laughs> uh, Mustang tells Darrow to be careful and that she doesn't want to be left alone after all this. Why is that, huh? As she walks away, Daryl grabs her and kisses her real good in front of everybody. Yeah. Telling her, I'll see you soon. Yeah, and you will. Like, winks like six times. No. His teeth, definitely. Then, <laughs> <laughs> now that we're done with these chapter summaries, super pumped. What is the theme for this week? This is an old, reliable theme. The theme for this week is changing the paradigm. The what? Changing the paradigm. Oh, the paradigm. <laughs> I haven't heard these words put in this order before. It's our favorite thing. So now we're going to go through and point out why we changed the paradigm and how it was done chapter by chapter. Yeah, let's talk about some quotes. Okay, so this is, this first quote that we have is basically where Darrow is making his case to the rest of the crew that they need to change the paradigm. Because yeah. everybody's all in on this. We've got all these obsidians and the tunnels of Mars. They're all into this fucking tunnel plan. This really bad tunnel plan. And they want to take Mars and then have the war spread from there. So uh, Darrow's making his case. He's saying the strength of rebel armies throughout history is that they have less to protect. They can rove and move and are impossible to pin down. We have so much to lose here. So much to protect. This war won't be won in days or weeks. It will be a decade. Mars will bleed. And at the end, ask yourselves, what will we inherit? A corpse of what was once our home. We must fight this war, but I will not fight it here. I propose we leave Mars. And everybody's like, what? Never! Dancer's like, this is for Mars. And Mustang's <laughs> yeah. like, this is for everyone. And yep. then they fight. And then Severo slams his razor into the table like, you pixies? Yep. It gets real heated. That's actually the quote we have next, and this is kind of changing the paradigm on two levels. Not only about changing the paradigm on location, the location of the war, but also like the focus of the war and what they're actually fighting for. And Darrow and Mustang are trying to reset that a little bit. So Dancer says, this war is for Mars. Darrow says, it's for more than that. And then Dancer says back, it's for low colors. Win here and then spread across the society. That's how Ares intended it. Then Mustang says, this war is for everyone. Exactly. This war is for... Sorry I jumped in, but everyone. I'm Mustang. So. You're Mustang. It's fine. It's fine. Right. And that's when they fight because Dancer feels this possession or possessive feeling for the rising and he doesn't want golds to have any part of it he feels like golds their only goal is to fight for themselves and he can't see a world where golds and reds get along which carries into iron gold Mm -hmm. on dancers part oh yeah for sure you're you're totally right there and like he's always kind of not an antagonist for mustang but he's always like in opposition to her because he sees her for what she is a gold spoiled rich right and he's i mean he's not like too wrong about all those things obviously like we know mustang is different than that she has a different set of values but ultimately at the end of the day she can't identify with like red red and know the world that dancer knows and so he's always thinking about things from a much more like populist point of view Mm -hmm. than what uh, mustang is going to think things from and we also have to think about the fact that He's from Mars and like he's got this strong pull to 
fight this war on Mars and free the people of Mars. And like, that's, that means something to him. And so Mm -hmm. thinking about stuff more holistically or as the entire society and not just Mars is probably a little more difficult for him than some, someone like Mustang or Darrow. And at this point, Dancer hasn't been as exposed to the rest of the universe as Mustang um, or even Darrow. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, he's he's been fighting in the dirt on Mars basically the whole time. Right. So he's seeing the reds of Mars and he wants to make sure that they're not abandoned when Darrow seems to lean towards whatever Mustang says and Dancer can't really trust that Darrow's intentions are the same as his when he's including golds in this future. Right. It's good to have this tether. Like Dancer is a great tether for Darrow to have like, He's going to keep those ideas, those populist ideas, the the lower colors in the forefront of Darrow's mind. So that, that's something that always is going to be considered. And it's an important viewpoint to have. But also, like Darrow said, they can't just walk into some trap that the Jackal's going to have laid for them or walk into something where the Jackal's totally prepared for what they're doing. Because they know, they know the Jackal and Dancer doesn't know the Jackal. And so that perspective is kind of what's informing this idea to change the paradigm. And then that also plays into that this war is a bigger idea than just freeing low colors. It's about breaking society and changing everything for the better. All of it, the whole world. Yep. And so this is right. Like this is this next quote really just illustrates our theme completely because this is daryl making his final case he's saying i won't fall into the trap of the jackal the easiest way to lose any war is to let the enemy dictate the terms of engagement we must do the thing the jackal and the sovereign least expect of us create our own paradigm drink so they're playing our game reacting to our decisions we must be bold right now we've sparked a fire rebellions in almost all society territories we stay here that means we are contained. I will not be contained. And he also doesn't want to play into what the jackal already knows. The jackal saw them come up out of the ground. Yep. So they, that can't be like their next plan to right. do the exact same thing. Right. We talked about that last pod when uh, Mustang was talking about how crazy your fucking brother is with the, the ma- mazes and all that stuff. The really hard Sudoku. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like set on hard and you can't have hints. You know? Exactly. Yep. That's what it is. <laughs> That's what he was doing Mustang when they were kids. So basically, Darrow's strength and the thing that all his allies lean on him for is to come up with these crazy ideas that they don't think a gold could think of right because that's the only way to beat these golds to beat the sovereign and the jackal is to literally think of something they can't even suss out in their own really smart brains that's a really good point so this is him fighting against the norm and being like okay this is what you need me for is these crazy ideas i'm gonna shoot myself out of this (laughs) ship right into another ship and we're all going to live. Yeah. And then the next quote plays into that point. It says, Octavia's main fleet, the Sword Armada, is hundreds of millions of kilometers away from its nearest support. 
It is the instrument of fear by which the sovereign binds the planets to her will. It, like its commander, has never been defeated. In 40 days, we're going to destroy the sword armada and rip the beating heart out of the society war machine. Now I'll take your bloody damn questions. <laughs> that part was so badass. Ooh, it's like a movie. <laughs> right. <laughs> yep. So in 40 days, Roke is going down for real. Right. And so we've seen Daryl present the plan, sell the plan. The group, and they get all jacked up. Right. The group gets on board. Now we've flown out to Jupiter, and we're in the meeting with Roke and Romulus. And to your point earlier when you were talking about the chapter summaries, like you don't know why Darrow gave away the sons. I think we can talk about that a little bit here. Right. I think it falls under like he's got to change the paradigm of that conversation because Roke at one point, like Darrow says, Roke has won them over because yeah. he and you uses... Can keep- seeing Roke pulling them back to his side every time they kind of inch closer to Darrow. Right. And it's like you were saying, he uses his eloquent bullshit to pull them in. And he's like, brothers and sisters. We are gold. Yeah, we must stand, but we must stand together. The evil of democracy <laughs> is our truest enemy. <laughs> exactly. Just eye roll, Roke. Just like, I just want to be over here just like, well, that's what Mustang's doing. Yeah. Mustang's like snorting and yeah. like audibly laughing <laughs> at these like stupid fake points that he's making. It's like, how could you ever take Rogue seriously again after he like betrays like he did? Like, I just. Well, that's a point Romulus brings up. Like, right. you betrayed your friend. How, mm-hmm. like, you're not honorable. I do love that part. Yeah. When he's like, Rogue says, Daryl, you're only as good as your friends. He's like, yeah, at least I still have some. And Roke's like, oh, oh. he's like, all you have is Antonia fucking chlamydia over there. And yeah. he, she's with. Um, and she killed Revis and uh, right. Romulus's daughter. Stepped on her head. Blah. And Darrow just spelled out for Romulus exactly how she died. Right. It was not pretty. Yeah. So this is the part like the quotes we have here are just kind of where they're making their case. And Darrow's initial case is, Lords, I will give you the independence you deserve. Not half measured, not transient, permanent independence from Luna. And so that's what Darrow's selling in this situation. He's got, that's what he starts with. Basically, he's like, I'll give you independence. We won't even fuck with you at all. And then Roke, he's like talking about all these ideals about golds protecting the society. He gets Romulus on his side when he basically sells the threat of rebellion. And mm-hmm. Darrow sees that. And so in order to change the paradigm here in the middle of the conversation paradigm (laughs) he says i will give you the sons of aries like he says it quietly at first and then he says i will give you the sons of aries like he will give him all the cells basically uh, they can squash their rebellion Mm -hmm. because otherwise if darrow had died it would have gone on for years and until past romulus's death right yeah i mean even if he doesn't accept darrow's help like the sons are still going to be around they're still going to be causing trouble still going to be and probably even more so if darrow did die sure darrow goes on to say like lords the imperator is asking you to bow aren't you tired of that your greatest enemy is the greed of the core the burners of Rhea, and that takes us into mustang supplying her data pad right and this is the paradigm shift if you will that this is was the big planted one. yeah they bring up raya for roke to react and he dealt he bit the bait so hard yeah. he was like 
it was a different time. And they're like, it was the same woman. Yeah. Which is such a good point. Yep. Like, she fucked herself over when she did that. Oh, for sure. Because she has permanent enemies now. Yep, and they have a monument to their... In the sky. A, yeah, they have a monument to it in the sky every night. So it's like, not they're not going to forget about it anytime soon. Right, a whole point. Like, that's crazy. A, a whole, whole moon, moon, yeah. Like you said, that's a great point. Like, they set that trap and Rook just walked right into it. <laughs> and then that sets them up to... Mustang brings out the data pad. Vela starts looking at it. She says, illuminating, isn't it, Vela? Romulus is like, what is it? Show us. And then they see the whole data stream that shows that the... The nuclear warheads. Have been taken out of the warehouse. And and it's like on the way to Io when Jupiter would have been the closest to Mars. Right, or, they set all sorry, this up. To, to Luna. Right, this was like Quicksilver as hackers setting up all these fake communications from uh, society that showed this, that basically it looks like and Roke picked up a bunch of right. nukes. And they, they, they did spin a lie, but based on the truth that there were nuclear weapons there. Mm-hmm. So it's like half a lie. It took, I had to read that a couple times the first time to, to kind of actually know what happened. Right. So it's like half, it's a half truth. Well, it's true that there's a warehouse. It's true that there are nukes there. Right. But they tried to say that Roke is the one who grabbed him. And Roke stupidly confirms both of those facts. (laughs) You know, he... Right. By... He, like, falls into it and then admits that, yes, there is a warehouse that he's aware of that carried all these huge nuclear weapons that are outlawed by the compact of society. But he doesn't know that the Jackal has them. Right. He doesn't know the Jackal has them. They make it look like Roke picked them up. Is basically, that's the lie part of it. So Right. So then Romulus sees all this and he stares at Roke and says, if Rhea was not to be repeated, then why did your fleet empty a nuclear weapons depot before coming to our orbit? And Roke just is fucked at this point. Roke's like, I didn't do it. Yep. He's lying. They're like, but you said there was a depot. Exactly. And then, yeah, that's when they catch him in like, okay, so there is a depot. And he's like. And then he's like, it's yes. classified. <laughs> Can you believe he said that when he was like, it's classified. Yeah. Is it? I don't think it is anymore. Not anymore. <laughs> what an idiot. God, fuck you, Roke. I'm so like seeing Roke squirm throughout this entire last section was like, delightful with romulus like really browbeating him was fucking awesome dude romulus laying in i was like oh fuck <laughs> yeah dude. it was crazy <laughs> and those of you listening tim gerard does this cool jupiter people accent where it's it's different from the other ones he's been doing and it's like real clipped and like harsh oh really and it it, it was nice Nice. It was nice to hear that voice laying into rope. I was like, Romulus always reminds me of just like a dad, like my dad, like yelling at me or something, you know? Oh, like, I'm always just like, like a bad childhood. We're <laughs> 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 just like, he's very like disciplinarian or something, you know, like very austere, I guess. Austere. I do love when after the blood feud thing, Roke is walking away and he says the poem. Yeah. He's got to always fucking walk out with a poem. Right, but by your grave I shall weep, for it was I who made you sleep. Was it? I'm pretty sure you're the one who's going to be sleeping. You'll be sleeping, bitch. I feel really, like, hyped up about fighting Roke now. I know, dude. I'm so mad at him after we've done these podcasts. 
know. <laughs> well, I was like, why? I forgot why we hated Rogue. Oh, and now I'm like, ugh. Yeah. What a dick. He's the he's like worse than Antonia or Aja because he he acts like a friend and he kind of acts like he's like not a part of the fighting. Mm-hmm. Like he doesn't act evil. But, like, he is. He's, right. like, sneaky evil. Yep. We'll get into that more here in our prime five. Which is five of our favorite insights and observations from this week's chapters. All right. The first insider observation we have today, number one on the prime five list, is, hey, today we meet Sarah or Serafina Ra from Iron Gold. Well, she's from Io, but we see her again in Iron Gold. Yeah, well, we get a lot more of her character in Iron Gold, obviously. Yeah, so this is another kind of, not a foreshadowing, but like a first meeting. Right. And she's so cute and little, and yeah, she's, she's like, like what up, kid. Darrow? You don't look like a red. So she talks to Darrow prior to him meeting Romulus. Mm-hmm. I love that she's talks starts talking to him about Ragnar. And then she's like, oh, that's why you're sad. Like, you look really sad. Yeah, he's like, oh, shit, I'm sad. (laughs) And the whole scene is cool because we learn more about this kind of harsher culture and upbringing. They're not as spoiled. Right. But it's not a bad thing. Like, you have to earn slaves, Mm -hmm. which... They still have slaves. The Moon Lords are, <laughs> they're like true iron goals. Like, and they talk about that. Like Romulus has that whole conversation with Darrow about that, where they talk about like the core is just gluttony and yeah. and all of that. They're just. They're words. pudgy little pixies. Yeah. They're fucking pixies. Yeah. Out here on the rim, things are much harsher and they stick to more to the tenants, like the original tenants of gold society and uh, what it means to be an iron gold. Right. And they they start their kids off without the hollows and servants and they they start them off at a young age not being pampered. Right. Unlike uh, if you remember the Institute, all those kids were like crying and whining when they didn't have, you know, all their spoils. So they start off kind of harder than the, the core people. Right. And I also am always just still fascinated with like the the way these moonies look. Yeah, the the third bigger eyes. Yeah, like one third larger eyes, and then they're taller, longer and, like, necks, longer. Yeah, they're more stretched out because there's less gravity. Yeah, and it's just interesting. They, they probably look like what we would think were aliens, you know? Yeah, <laughs> like humanoids. Right. So prime five. Number two is, of course, we have to point out some great several lines and yes. moments. Anytime we've got prime top of the top of the line Severo to serve up, we're going to have to talk about it. Got to serve up some Severo. Right. And so the first uh, point that we wanted to talk about was when they're talking about torturing Cassius because it's hilarious. There's just like this whole conversation going on where everybody's like debating like real points <laughs> yes debating the morality of torturing cassius and several's just like just give me a screwdriver in about 17 minutes and i get all the answers you need mm-hmm. <laughs> just on the side and then they keep going and they're, they're like no should we do this but maybe we shouldn't we're not like that and he's just i could you know use a buzzsaw and just give me three minutes i've got this yeah just three <laughs> like actually just three minutes with a buzzsaw <laughs> 
And Daryl's like, shut up. <laughs> He's just thinking about all the stuff to himself. <laughs> and it's so good. And then several again, when we go to visit the Moonies, he mouths off to Vila a few times. And he's like, oh, you want to lure us into a trap? Better idea. How about you tell your bitch of a brother to honor his bloody damn agreement before I take that rifle and shove it so far up your fart hole, you look like a skinny pixie shish kebab. (laughs) Fart hole. How does he think of all these words? Fart hole's funny. And Mustang's like, dude, no. He goes on to say some other shit. She doesn't like totally calm him down. Is butt sucker or fart hole funnier? I, I like fart hole. Fart hole's pretty good. Like I'm just a skinny very... pixie shish kebab. <laughs> so, and then um, there's a little last Severo moment, which is actually a sweet moment. This is a sweet moment. And this not is an sweet insulting Severo. moment. It's right after those insults when Darrow and Mustang decide to go with Vila to go see Romulus. Severo doesn't go with him. And Darrow starts. He says, give us six hours, Severo. If we're not back by then... Wank off in the bushes. <laughs> Lay waste. Can do. He bumps my fist with his and winks. Happy diplomacy, kids. He keeps his fist out for Mustang. You too, horsey. We're in this shit together, eh? She happily bumps his knuckles with her own. Bloody damn right. Oh, my gosh. I was, like, so smiley when I was like, reading that. I was like, we're all friends. <laughs> Best buds. <laughs> This is so cute. I love several Mustang getting along. Yeah, that is, that is cool. Because, like, with Mustang around, Severo becomes the third wheel for Darrow. Yeah. So this is nice that Severo's kind of pulling her in, calling her horsey. Horsey, yeah. So cute. <laughs> it's good stuff. All right, let's move on to the next item on our Prime 5 list. This one's number three. All right, and this is the goodbye between dancer and darrow like surprisingly emotional moment here this is before they go to jupiter we're backing up right so this is prior to leaving to go see moon lords moony 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 there's two kind of great moments here the first is the conversation that darrow and dancer have they're just like really kind of put their feelings out on the line there and Daryl like grabs Dancer and like brings him in for a hug, and he's like, "I just, you know, I gotta tell you, like, I love you." And Dancer's like, you, "Oh man. my gosh!" Like, <laughs> Dancer's like, "I love you too, man." <laughs> he noticeably doesn't say "I love you" back because I think he's just kind of a hard man like that. But he tears but up. He tears up. Yeah, and he's you can tell he's touched, and you can tell he's just like, "Oh gosh, oh gosh!" Like, and they're hugging. Yeah. <laughs> His head only comes up like to Darrow's <laughs> chest. This is a real like the closest that Darrow's gonna have really to a father son moment ever again. You know, like right here, like Dancer With, at this point yeah. is a pseudo father figure for him. Oh, definitely. That that moment is really special, and then it gets even more emotional when they're just getting on the shuttle, and Dancer does that great thing where he goes Hell Diver. And like and- Daryl like turns around and like faces the entire hangar and then everybody's there and they've all got their fists in the air. Well, they like all slow. He has his dancer has his fist up yeah. and then they all turn and slowly raise it. And I for real teared up because I was like, <laughs> especially when Mustang and Severo and his friends also turn and also raise their it, fists. Yeah. Like it's all this moment of solidarity and right. all the energy of everyone coming to this one yep. high point before they leave yep and then dancer gives them this 
break the chains. And, you know, like, this is possibly the last time they see each other. Like, it's like Daryl is going off to war. So, um, going off to Jupiter where they may or may not eat his head. Right. They don't know what people in <laughs> the Ram do. They right. could eat people. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. So, that's a really cool moment. And both of those, so like both the conversation with Dancer and then the last goodbye, the break the chains with the fists in the air. And Great Dancer Daryl gives scene. it back and it's just like, ah, yeah. Yeah, we ah. could do it. It's a real feel. By the way, I was moment. definitely listening to that at work and I definitely cheered up at work. I definitely was like, I definitely put my own fists in the air when oh, I was no. reading. And I was like, <laughs> you're like, I will break the chains. And I silently, I like silently went like, yeah, to myself. You you are like who the never ending story is about. Like you are that kid in the in the attic with the storm raging. Oh, I'm sure. Like yelling at the book. Yes. Oh yeah, for sure. I talk to my books a lot. All right. That's yeah. you. Yes. <laughs> Say my name. Okay. The next part is Deanna and her moment not only with Darrow. But there's also a moment, secret, secret, with Mustang and Deanna. Mm -hmm. And we don't find out yet or ever, really. We don't... Yeah, do we? I was trying to think if we ever find out if this actually happened. Well, we presume at this point what Mustang and Deanna are talking about. This is some good speculation on your part. When um, Darrow walks up to them and they like both suddenly stop talking like clearly they're sharing a secret and it's clearly Mustang telling Deanna about their son Pax. feels to me like this gets confirmed at some point that Deanna knew. I it has to be it because Mustang's going with Darrow and she could also die. Right. So although the Telemannises know about Pax, baby Pax, this is Mustang like inviting Deanna in to this secret because if something happens to her and the Telemannises, Deanna will know where baby Pax is. Right. And just the, the context of the conversation she has. Yeah. It says Deanna's like, you know, happy and, and teary eyed and Deanna doesn't get teary eyed. Well, and she's also like, you guys come back, you two come back and you start living. Yeah, you know, together, for your baby, for each other, you know, that type of thing. For your child, exactly. She's like, and Darrow's even like, "What was that about?" Right. And Mustang's just like, she kind of like snaps her head at him because mm-hmm. she's nervous that he figured it out. She's like, "Cause she's your mother." Right. That's it. Yep. That's what I think. I think I feel it feels like that that gets confirmed, like in the very final chapter when yeah, we meet Pax, something maybe. like that. But I don't quite remember. We'll we'll get there. I think we're rereading the entire book. So we'll oh, see. I was gonna quit. <laughs> okay, so what's our last prime five? Oh, let's also talk about the conversation she has with Darrow, though, where she's oh, like, yeah. she says those really great things to him. I just love this. Like, oh my gosh, this mom talking to her son and just being like, remember what you're all about. Don't forget who you are. Right. Remember where you came from. And remember, I love you. Exactly. And it's just like, remember the people that you're fighting for? She's just grounding him again, kind of like Dancer does with mm-hmm. Darrow. She's grounding him again, like why you're fighting, what who you're fighting for. And then also remember that you can't fail because you have the love of your family to go with you. And that is just fucking beautiful. So beautiful. Uh, it's great. Great. You great. You can't from fail when you 
You got people loving you. Deanna's like a secret MVP. I love her. Dude, she's great. She's always got like really high impact every time she's on the page, I feel like. She's got mom status. Oh, yeah. Hell yeah. Moms are great. Hi, mom. Hi, mom. Okay. Uh, all right. Last item on the Prime 5 list. We've got to talk about it. Yeah. The butt sucker himself, Rokoff Fabii. <laughs> what He's a back. loser. So there's a couple interesting things I want to talk about uh, with Roke. The first is I really like this idea that Darrow talks about where Roke is the hero of his story. Like, think about this perspective switch. Like, what what if we switch the entire perspective of Red Rising and the whole point of it was to protect the society Roke is the hero of that story. And so that's the way the society sees him. He found this infiltrator spy, uh, uh, you know, and he's like this great military leader. Do you know what that story would be, though? That would mean our father author, (laughs) Pierce Brown, (laughs) would be a proponent of slavery and racism. Sure, sure. I'm, I'm just saying. So I I think maybe that story wouldn't be written today. <laughs> definitely wouldn't. Definitely would not. It would be less uh, less interesting. But for someone who's in the that position, it would be a very interesting story. So he's the hero in his little brain. And that makes sense. And like I don't know, just thinking about it that way is an interesting perspective on Roke. I feel like, and you can see why he's the way he is, and he is really all about this protecting the society protecting the compact and the golds and i think also he was comfortable with this being an ideal that like he didn't have to enforce like it's his poetic you know feelings of golds being better than everyone but when darrow came around and challenged it he had to like really lean in hard and now he's even more of a colorist prick Right. Then, like, he would have been if no one had challenged those ideas. Yeah. I, he really did, like, not even question it for a second. And he just believes that society is the best way. Or, or, well, the pyramid and, like, society is the best way to shepherd the human race forward. And here, this is where he's just on, like, level a thousand being a pompous asshole. <laughs> a thousand. <laughs> you know, like... When he's in this conversation with the with the Moon Lords and he's really being the poet and he's really getting into it. Ben's doing big gestures. Yeah. I'm just like I big fancy gestures. It's just like this is why Roke is so fucking annoying. <laughs> Cause he gets so freaking uppity. He's on his box. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he gets on his box and he's just like this is him to a T right now, and especially in this meeting. And it's really great to see him get it uh, stuck to him or whatever by Darrow. Or Romulus. And, and Romulus. And yeah. Mustang. Yep. Mustang puts him down at the beginning of the talk when she's like, I'm not the crybaby here. That's you. Mm-hmm. And then uh, the last thing we had on Roke is we've talked about this before. We had asked this question. It was like, why why was Roke in House Mars? Oh, yeah, that's interesting. And uh, I think that was a previous Prime 5 item that we had talked about during Golden Sun. And Darrow talks about that here. He's like, I can see why now why he is selected to House Mars because of his wrath. And he gives this amazing speech to Romulus always. Like, he's always got to give, like, a one 
final speech and he says this he's got a whole lot to say he ends it with if you betray your color the compact the society which is what this will be ilium will burn i will acquaint you with ruin i will hunt down every person you have ever known and i will exterminate their seed from the worlds i will do so with a heavy heart but i am a man of mars a man of war so know my wrath will be unending and it's like so polite and creepy. <laughs> He's just so good with words. Like that is just, I'm a man of Mars. Know my wrath. And then Daryl <laughs> is thinking during this whole thing, like, I always wondered why I was in Mars. Yeah. But I see it. Yeah. There it is. He's got that deep within him and we can see it here. It's just, it's, it's almost as controlled as the jackal where it's like it lies in wait and then yeah, like, he can spring this like wrathful anger whereas darrow he lets it out all the time well i think it's like yeah with roke he's got that wrathful anger side just pushed down and like said he can control it and he's Mm -hmm. got the calm cool collected exterior very eloquent more conniving just like the jackal right the jackal has got the same thing except his is just fucking insanity well yeah but also conniving but yes, and I think that's a great comparison. That's a really good call on your part. I think those two really fit together in that way. They're two peas. Maybe they should die together in the same book. I hope so. Okay. Yeah, now that we have finished the Prime 5, we've got to name our Primus of the Week. Do, 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 do. This is our one character who conquered the Proctors of Plot and rose above the rest. Primus of the Week this week is... Romulus Ah-Rob. Because he metaphorically peed <laughs> all over Roke. We, you guys know us by now. You if know you that we enjoy. If you pee on someone, <laughs> then you win. And he definitely pissed all over Roke's ego, which was great. Right. We could probably give Primus if we were being really technical to Darrow because he kind of got everything that he wanted and got romulus on his side but what's but Darryl, the fun in that daryl wins enough also romulus is badass we see more of him in iron gold the way he spoiler the way he dies in iron gold wow that's like the best death that really that was, was crazy <laughs> i can't wait to talk about that yeah uh, so like <laughs> we already know his epic ending mm-hmm. and then he's he's so fully who he is that like even though um, Darrow knows that he's not a good person, he's he oppresses Darrow's people. Darrow can still look at him with respect right. because he's just so badass and iron gold. I well, mean, he's got no so other... he's got so much conviction, and he believes in he really believes in and what he stands for, and he's willing to defend it and willing to stand behind it and explain it and be unapologetic about it you know like him and daryl talk about the war and they talk about what they think like civilization should be or or whatever and he talks about how he thinks the society uh the core is you know all just gluttonous bastards basically and he has a reason for feeling that way and he believes deeply in the things that he believes in so at that point you can respect him I think the main reason that Romulus is our primus of the week is that he just really 
dicks down on Roke. <laughs> Which, I'm not kidding. I was like, <laughs> I was like hopping around, like ready to throw down. I was like, let's go. It was pretty awesome. So congratulations, Romulus. Anybody that bitches out Roke that epically is a winner in our book every week. Also cool, big eyeballs. Way yeah. to go. Sweet planet that you live on. Or no, I'm mean, sorry, moon. Oh, I was thinking. He's a moon lord. I think he lives on a moon. You're right. You know how um, we recently found even more moons? Mm-hmm. Does that fuck up the books at all? I don't think so. Because they're just baby moons. Yeah, these are the major moons. The moons and moons. Mm-hmm. But we found moons on moons. Yeah, there's a whole fucking bunch of moons. There's like 56 moons or something out I there. I think we just found more. Probably. Moons on moons on moons. I wouldn't doubt it. <laughs> all right. You know what it's time for? What are we into this week? Aaron, what are you into this week? I'm into a podcast. It's called Howler Pod. Um, my second podcast that I'm into is by Tenderfoot TV slash Neil Strauss. It's called To Live and Die in LA. And it is a podcast about this young, beautiful model who was murdered. And it's like a mystery, true story, true crime. They have a lot of episodes, but they're still releasing them week by week, which is fun to kind of follow it as it's happening. So if you like murder mystery and true crime, this is a really good one. It's kind of a slow burn, which I like, because you really get invested, and then they like surprise you with some crazy information. So... To Live and Die in L.A., the podcast. Ooh, that sounds really cool. Ben, what are you into this week? I'm into a book. It's called I'm Thinking of Ending Things by, I think his name is Ian Reed. I'm not sure exactly how it's... Ian? Ian or Ian. Oh, I-A-I-N. Yeah. I-A-I-N. I-A-I-N. Mr. Reed. Anyway, it's called I'm Thinking of Ending Things. It's a short... Nice little quick read. Super weird. Very suspenseful. I really, really enjoyed it. It's kind of bizarre. I'm not even going to tell you what it's about, but it's just, it's like 200 pages. It goes really fast. You start going into it and it starts very normal. It's kind of like girl and talking about her relationship and she's like going out to meet. Wait, is this fiction? Yeah. She's going out to meet her boyfriend's parents. And so her boyfriend's kind of weird, but they're like having conversation and then it just like, devolves into a weird 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 strangeness from there and just keeps getting weirder and you're great. like what the fuck is going on and you said it's a novel it's a great book yeah it's like 200 pages though it's real sm- it's real small nice it's very good though it's called Actually. i'm thinking of ending things mm-hmm. in the podcast to live and die in la yes that takes us to howler q a we've got a quick oh fun howler q a question here from quickie instagram user violet underscore crystal that's a violet with a zero for the o i believe her name is aviha i'm gonna go ahead and and say that i hope i didn't get that wrong anyway she's a great artist she really does some really cool yeah i love uh, her page you should follow it it's v-i-zero-l-e-t just look for her and our followers are followed yep underscore crystal Mm -hmm. uh but yeah she's really awesome she sent us a question that is, would you guys ever get a Red Rising tattoo? Would you, Ben? I would. I'm actually considering it. I know. 
<laughs> but I don't know what I would get. And I'm also a scaredy cat and don't know if I want he, something on my body for tattoos. for thousands of years. Um, I don't think he'll live that long. I'm going to. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to get the sovereign reju- rejuvenation therapy stuff. On oh, my I thought you were saying you're going to get the sovereign as a tattoo. <laughs> I was like, because you're a rusty old bitch. <laughs> no. So I've, I've thought about many red rising tattoo ideas especially as we've done this podcast it's become a w- closer and closer to my heart and uh the facebook page a lot of people have some really really badass really have some really badass ones and obviously um one of the sayings in red rising is paraspera at astra i am from kansas and so our state motto is actually at astra paraspera so it's they basically said it the same backwards thing. they say it backwards and so Ours is right. That's obviously got some um, meaning to me as well. And so I probably will eventually get that tattooed on my body, but we'll see. Where? On your butt? I was thinking like my forearm. So you can like throw it up? Yeah. <laughs> when you're fighting with Roke. Maybe like Paraspera at Astra on one arm and then Omnisphere Lupus on the other. That'd be cool. You could X him. Yeah. Let's do it this weekend. My answer is... Probably not. I have no intention to. I do have a tattoo, but I haven't considered a Red Rising tattoo yet. But now I'm kind of jealous of Ben's <laughs> idea. It's kind of badass. Um, I would, if I got one, it'd probably be pretty small, like a small wolf howling or something. But I do love some of the cool ones I've seen from the Red Rising fan Oh, yeah, pages. those are some of my favorite posts. There's some really good ones. Yeah. So if you guys have any dope tattoos that are in non-nude areas please send them to us or tag us on instagram and we'd love to see we'll repost them yeah all right ben now that we're over the nudes what are we doing next week on hallerpod we are going to continue reading morningstar by pierce brown that's a great joke that never gets old (laughs) that's what this podcast is about we're going to read chapters 44 through 49. I feel like you're really coming at me on that one. (laughs) (laughs) It's good. Uh, I'm throwing down like Romulus. (laughs) I think I'm from the rim. Yeah, you really did. You Romulus me pretty hard there. Totally Rom. That's my tattoo. You want to get Romulus? (laughs) That's going to be chapters 44 through 49 in your Morningstar read-along books. Don't forget to follow us, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Etsy, howlerpod at gmail.com. That's H-O-W-L-E-R-P-O-D. Find us on the internet. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and then rate and review five stars only. Or else, you know what? You get Romulus. Ooh, we'll, we'll bring Romulus to you and he's going to bitch you out, make you feel bad about yourself. You're going to cry and then you're going to say a stupid poem and then you're going to die in space. Also, keep sharing those books, share the podcast, tell a friend, tell a friend. That's your This week, your goal is to give Red Rising to one of your friends I've and been, make sure they read because I hate when you give someone a book and they don't even read it. I know. It is disappointing. I've given out a couple copies of Red Rising. Both people have read it, so okay. good for them. Shouts I gave mine away. I, I should follow up and see if she's read it. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, Romulus her, you know. I'm going to Romulus the fuck out of her. Nicole. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Howlers. Omnis. Ver lupus. Ow. 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 Ow.